Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Exodus. The Old Testament book of Exodus in Exodus in chapter number 4. The book of Exodus and chapter number 4. We're at the very beginning of our series of the life and ministry of Moses. As we're going through this series, we are seeing as God has been working with his man. And we can see that it's been taking more time to actually get his man prepared to go than what it is to actually see some of the results. And we've seen God work with him and reveal himself. And it begins with our vision of God, that when we see God who he is, that everything else goes in its rightful place. We've watched witness as he uh, witnessed Moses as he's tried to get out of following God. And he's given objections to the point that God has got angry with him. Because God knows who you are. And he knows what he created you to do. And how dare anyone look at God and say, you've made a mistake by wanting to use me. Just nothing but awful, arrogant, stinking, rotten pride and flesh. But as we see that Moses has finally agreed to go, that he's going to go tell his uh, family that this is what God has given us to do. But in the midst of it, even as Moses is already prepared to go, God isn't finished working with him to make him the usable vessel he ought to be. And we're going to see that principle tonight. So look with me, if you wouldn't mind, in the gospel or in the book of Exodus, the second book of the Bible, the book of Exodus in chapter number four. And let's pick it up starting at verse number 18. The book of Exodus, chapter number four. And in verse 18, the Bible says this. And Moses went and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said unto him, Let me go, I pray thee, and return unto my brethren, which are in Egypt, and see whether they be yet alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. And the Lord said unto Moses in Midian, Go, return into Egypt, for all the men are dead which sought thy life. And Moses took his wife and his sons and set them upon an ass. And he returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the rod of God in his hand. And the Lord said unto Moses, When, ye, when thou goest to return into Egypt, see that thou do all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in thine hand. But I will harden his heart, that he shall not let the people go. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. And I say unto thee, Let my son go, that he may serve me. And if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. And it come to pass, came to pass by the way in the inn that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. Then Zephora took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at his feet and said, Surely a bloody husband art thou to me. And so he let him go. 
Then she said, A bloody husband thou art because of the circumcision. And the Lord said to Aaron, Go into the wilderness to meet Moses. And he went and met him in the mount of God and kissed him. And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord who sent him and all the signs which he had commanded him. And Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all he had looked upon their affliction. Then they bowed their heads and worshipped. And if you're in the habit of marking your Bible, mark a phrase that is mentioned twice in this passage, verse number 25 and verse number 26, where Zephorah refers to Moses, a bloody husband. A bloody husband. And with the Lord's help, we want to see this strange, unusual story, this historical story that is centered around the statement that Sephora said, a bloody husband, a bloody husband. Let's go to the Lord together. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And I thank you that we can trust you. I'm thankful that the author of the Bible lives within me as the Holy Spirit. And because of that, we could easily ask the author of the Bible, what does this mean? That you could explain and you could illuminate, you could make it clear. And that not only can you make it clear, but you can make it applicable. That you could help us to apply the principle that you clearly made a big deal in Moses' life. And that you could let us understand the principle in our own life. So that way we could be usable by you as an instrument. I thank you that we could trust you. And even now, I want to be a usable instrument. So the best I know how, I surrender myself to you. And ask that you fill me with your precious spirit. Lord, if there's anything that's in your way from using me, I'm asking that you would set it aside tonight. That you would forgive me. That you would help me to repent of it and renounce it. I don't want anything that would hinder me from being usable by you. We love you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as we hit this, there's a three different subjects, three different scenes that are doing, are preparing us for facing Pharaoh. Now, he's going to face Pharaoh, and we'll see that on Sunday morning. But here's the last minute prep work. Here's the last minute details of the things that are going on before Moses stands before Pharaoh. The first thing we want to see in this narrative that we have here is the last minute instructions. The last minute instructions. Now, already in chapter 3 and part of chapter 4, Moses has been standing before God and arguing with God. God is saying, I want to use you, and Moses says, I'm not usable. And he's backing out, he's giving excuses, but God is insisting, I want to use you. So finally, Moses says, okay, fine, I'll be used. It's not what I want to do, but it's I'll do it anyways. And so he goes back and he reports to his father-in-law. So he's been working for his father-in-law for 40 years. He's married, has kids now. He's settled down. He's 80 years old. But now he's got to go tell his father-in-law, Dad, I'm leaving. That's probably going to be a fun conversation. Notice this conversation as it comes to about in verse number 18. And Moses went and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said unto him, Let me go, so he's asking permission, I pray thee, and return unto my brethren which are in Egypt, and see whether they be yet alive. So here's the conversation. All right, I know I've worked for you for 40 years. I know that I said I was going to retire here. I know that I've got your grandkids, but... 
let me go back to Egypt for a while and let me just see if the Hebrew people are still alive. I'm just going to go check on them. Okay, see you later. And Jethro, okay, go ahead. That's what you need to go. Now, notice Moses didn't say, hey, I just had a conversation with a burning bush. He didn't say, hey, God is going to use me. In fact, he's still pretty much in the idea that I don't know what's going on here. So I'm going to go take a vacation, maybe back, see ya, okay. Packs up his stuff, takes the wife, takes the kids. Jethro's, okay, bye, see you later. And so Moses begins to go. Now, as Moses is now taking the step to go, God gives him some last-minute reminders. Notice with me in verse number 19. And the Lord said unto Moses in Midian, so we know the location. Remember, Midian is not the Sinai Peninsula. It's in Saudi Arabia on the east side. Now, I'm making a big deal out of this because this will come to play in a couple more messages. Eh, A bunch more messages uh, of a location. But they're in Midian. And the Lord said unto Moses and Midian, Go return unto Egypt, for all the men that are dead are dead which sought thy life. So here's some encouragement, because remember the whole reason why Moses left in the first place is because people wanted to kill him. Why did they want to kill him? Because he killed someone. He's a murderer, and the people who are trying to get avenged justice uh, to arrest him, to put him on trial, are all gone. The Pharaoh who was in charge is gone. Uh, Other people who knew about it, they're gone. They're passed off the scene. So Moses is not going to be walking in with a wanted poster and people wanting to get him. Well, that's a relief. I'm sure that was something that was in Moses' mind. Because the idea of murdering someone just doesn't disappear. The idea of that I killed someone doesn't slip your memory. So that's taken care of. Okay, God's cleared that up. That's one good thing. Notice as Moses goes on in verse number 20. And Moses took his wife and his sons and set them upon an ass. And he returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the rod of God in his hand. So here we're seeing Moses becoming obedient. So notice this. Moses says, I'm going to Egypt. Begins to gather up stuff and God gives him more information. He takes another step of faith, begins to walk forward. God speaks to him again. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse number 21. And the Lord said unto Moses, When thou goest to return to Egypt, see that thou doest the wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in thy hand, but I will harden his, Pharaoh's heart, that he will not let the people go. So notice this. God allows Moses to obey then God gives him more information. He obeys some more, and God gives him more information. He obeys some more. You know, this is a principle that we find in the Bible. Romans chapter 1 is a good idea of this. Here's the principle. Light obeyed produces more light. Light disobeyed produces more darkness. So there are some things in the Christian life, there are some things about the Bible, there are some things about the Lord that will only come... As you choose to obey. Now we're going to see this principle carried out more. Because what's happening is God is trying to lead him step by step. God does not unload the whole dump truck on you all at once. He waits to see if you're going to be obedient to what he's given you. Then you take a step. Then he gives you some more to see if you're going to be obedient. And take some step. He walks you through because God is kind. And he's trying to see if you're going to obey. Step by step by step. That is the Christian life. Do you know that there are some things in the Bible. Now the Bible's there. 
But there are some things in the Bible that you will not understand until you have experience. There are some things that you could read, but it never opens up to you until someone opens the Bible and explains it and it clicks. But there's something about being obedient to God and he opens something up. I don't know how many times even y'all have come and said, I was reading this in my Bible and I had a question on it. And a couple messages later, you preach it and there it was. God's good at doing that. He wants to see if you're going to be obedient to those things. And he'll open up understanding. You take another step and he opens up understanding. This is a principle that God does and repeats that principle throughout the Bible. Light obeyed produces more light. Light disobeyed produces more darkness. If you have a light in your path, if you have a flashlight, you can't see a mile down the road, but you could see the next step. So you take another step and you have light to follow and take another step. However, if you're in a lighted path and you step off the path, you still have some light, but you're stepping in darkness. You take another step away and it gets darker and darker and darker. Romans chapter 1 covers this principle that they were darkened in their imagination. They becoming wise or they professing to be wise became fools. Why? Light obeyed produces more light. Light disobeyed produces more darkness. God has given Moses something and he obeyed it. Now he may not have obeyed it in the best heart, but he obeyed it and God gave him more light. He obeyed some more. God gave him more light. And we're going to see that as Moses continues to go on, God's going to reveal some things that were hidden that needed to be taken care of. That's part of walking in the light. Notice, if you don't mind, as now God has said, I'm going to go to, you're going to go talk to Pharaoh. But let me tell you something, Moses. Moses' heart is going to be hardened. And we're going to speak more about that in Sunday morning, about the hardness of Pharaoh's heart. And we've talked about that in the gospel record of Mark. That was something that popped up over and over. Why does someone have a hardened heart? Because of disobedience to the Bible. Light obeyed produces more light. Light disobeyed produces more darkness. As Pharaoh rejects God's word, he's going to be in more darkness and because of that, his heart is going to be hardened from obeying God's word. And we're going to see that process in Pharaoh. Light obeyed produces more light. Light disobeyed produces more darkness. But Moses, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. He's going to harden his own heart. We'll speak more about that later and how that works. But notice in verse 22. And thou, Moses, shall say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. So God is making a passionate plea for the Hebrew people. Israel is my child. It's my baby. I called them out. I raised them. They're my child. You give me my child back. You let my child go free. But remember, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. Verse number 23, and I say unto thee, let my son go. God is telling Pharaoh, let my son go, let Israel go, that he, Israel, may serve me, God. And if thou, Pharaoh, refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. And so what Moses wasn't given this information before. At the burning bush, God did not say, Pharaoh, or... Moses, you're going to go threaten Pharaoh's kid. Moses was already having an issue obeying God. If 
God had told Moses before he tried to obey, hey, you're going to go threaten Pharaoh's kid. Moses would definitely be finding excuses not to be there. But light obeyed produces more light. That as he obeyed God, God gave him a little bit more. And he gave him a little bit more and gave him a little bit more. Because he saw that Moses was already starting to obey. And as you started to get the thing moving, it was easier to steer. It was easier to direct the path than something that's standing still. So Moses just started obeying, starting obeying. All right, let me give you some more things. Let me give you some more things. Until, hey, you're Moses, you're already moving. You've already gathered up all your furniture. You're going back to Egypt. You grab your wife and your kids. It's already too late. You're already on your way. By the way, you're going to go threaten Pharaoh's kid. Oh, wonderful. Great. Yay. Wonderful. I'm sure that he was thrilled to hear that news. I'm sure that he started getting pits in his stomach and probably did what you would probably do, start questioning. Am I really supposed to do this? Am I the person of the job? I'm going to stand before Pharaoh, yay. I'm going to tell him to let God's people go, yay. And then when he refuses, I'm going to threaten his child. Wonderful. Absolutely. Let's go serve the Lord. This sounds great. Now remember, as we've been covering the last couple messages... It's not about Moses doing it in his own strength. He's already found out that work, uh, he could get weary in well-doing. Doing it in his own strength will not work. Moses has to be a surrendered, useful instrument in the hands of God. And so first of all, we see this last-minute instructions. But then we also see this, the lessons learned in the end. The lessons learned in the end. Now, this is why it's a Wednesday night message. This is going to be intense as we learn more about God. Notice, if you don't mind, in verse number 24. And it came to pass, by the way in the end, that the Lord met him. Who's that him? Moses. That the Lord met Moses and sought. We know right there that it's an understood uh, object there. Or subject, the Lord sought to kill him. Who's that him? Moses. God attempted to kill Moses. You're like, what happened here? <laughs> Moses is obeying. He surrenders. He's going forward. He's been giving this information. He's still moving forward. Then all of a sudden, God wants to kill him. What happened? What we see here is that God is still trying to work to make Moses a usable instrument. You say, what's going on? I told you this is a difficult passage. And to be honest, this is a passage that doesn't make the movie. This is a passage that most preachers will gloss over because they have a hard time with this. But let's take the Bible as it is, depend on God's spirit to guide us. What happens? Verse number 25. So it goes straight into this. Then Sephora took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at her feet and said, Surely thou art a bloody husband to me. Okay, what did we? What just happened here? Well, let me explain what happened. We had God who called out Abraham from the Ur of Chaldees. And he called Abraham to himself and separated Abraham from all of the rest of the peoples. And in order to separate Abraham from the rest of the peoples, God had a surgery done to the males 
to separate them out. And this is something that was a physical separation to the Hebrew people to show in a physical way we are separated unto God. And God gave the commandment to Abraham that this surgery was to be done on the male child at eight days old. Now, of course, we could talk about circumcision and how eight days is the very best day medically because we have found that during the eight days, the, ba- uh, the baby still has mom's antibodies inside of him. And at eight days, the baby is starting to produce its own antibodies. And so it's double protected during this eight-day time that it's one of the healthiest times to perform this surgery. Well, if you remember, and if you've got the Chronological Bible, Gershom is 16 years old. Now, at this time, we don't have the Ten Commandments. That's Exodus chapter 20. We don't have the 613 laws. Exodus and Leviticus is not written. There's one commandment, one commandment, that God has given to the Hebrew people. When a child is eight days old, a male child, they are to go undergo this surgery of circumcision to show that you are separated unto God. One rule. One. That's it. One. Can you obey one rule? No. Moses had his child Gershom, and now Gershom is 16 years old. And here God is planning on sending Moses to the Hebrew people to have them follow God and Noah, or whichever guy I'm talking about now, Moses, has not obeyed the one command. Moses is not usable to God until he gets that thing fixed. And what we understand here. Is that Moses still in an idea that he's not fully submitted to God. Now he's starting to obey. But he's not fully submitted. We have the undertones that God had already been working with Moses. To get things right. And Moses would not obey. And so what we're seeing here is an element of pride. What we're seeing here is an element that I can do things myself. And let me tell you, as long as you have some disobedience in your life, you cannot be dead to self. As long as there's something you will not obey, and people do that, they will put a line in the sand and say, God, I will do everything but cross this line. And as long as you have any line inside of your life that you will not cross for God, you cannot be dead to self. Therefore, you cannot be filled with spirit. Therefore, God cannot use you as an instrument. Anything that you do will be in your own strength. And so before Moses can stand before Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And he goes in God's strength. He has to be fully obedient to God. That means he even has to go back and fix something that was not corrected in his past. And by the way, as you start obeying God, he will go back to your past and ask you to fix something. Even Jesus makes mention of this where he says, before you give an offering and you have an ought with a brother, leave the offering where it is, go get things right, then obey and offer that. 
Then you could be used of God. God will test us in it. Maybe there is an area in your life that you had trouble obeying God in before, but you start obeying God in other things. He'll go back and say, let me see if you're submitted now. Let's bring this up again. Maybe there's something that you need to fix. Maybe there's some reconciliation. Maybe there's an issue that needs to be taken care of that you just kept putting back and couldn't put back. As you start obeying God, you will run into that cement wall. And God won't let you go past it until you get it fixed. This is one of the reasons why in the discipleship program that we have, we have it in different modulars. And we take like five lessons on the word of God. And they, they cannot go forward until they've gotten the habit of reading their Bible. Because if we allow them to go forward with disobedience, this is just going to stack up and it's not going to move forward. Then we spend about five lessons on prayer and we work with them until they've developed the habit of prayer. Because what God does is he won't let you go forward until you've been obedient. This is what he's doing with Moses. Moses, I want to use you, but I can't let you go forward until you get this fixed. This is a big deal. For the Hebrew people to follow after him, this needs to be taken care of. This is testimony. This is the idea of power. This is the idea, will you submit to me? Even when your child is 16 years old. And when Moses refused and wouldn't get things right, put it aside, God had to get his attention. And there were some awful things that happened. Now, the Bible doesn't give the details of how he tried to kill him. It just mentions that he did. Can you imagine Moses going back later on as he's right with God? And God is saying, write this down, Moses, and recall this. You imagine what he felt like when he wrote this down and remember the time that God was going to kill him. Now, he knew all the details, but we do know the principle. And this is why it's not giving the details, because there's a principle here. That God will not let you go forward. As you start obeying God, you're going to be limited on your effectiveness, even after you go forward, until you get this thing taken care of. And you're going to be tested on it. And you could say no... But then you're going to be unusable by God. It may be that God does everything he can because he loves you and he wants to use you. That he will get your attention. So many times in the last 20 years someone has come and said everything's falling apart. Praise the Lord. God's getting your attention. Fix it. What is it that, that is holding back your obedience? What is it that God's trying to say stop. Get this fixed. Get this fixed. So. We don't know the details, but we do know that God tried to kill Moses. And when God is telling Moses to pin this down, we know that God was not exaggerating here. It was to the place where you obey me or else. Now, he's not being a mean God. It's because he loves those people and he loves Moses that he's doing whatever it takes to bring Moses to himself. And now the consequences of this. Which we had said before. Then Zephora, who's the mother, took a sharp stone. So she's the one doing surgery. And she's the one who had to do the surgery on the 16-year-old son. And if you could imagine, if you were Zephora, you probably were not very appreciative of having to do this surgery. But Moses is saying, but we have to get it done. You may say, well, where's Moses at? Well, if you could remember a 16-year-old, you're doing a surgery, anesthesia hasn't been developed yet, and it is a very delicate surgery. 
Where is he at? Notice if you don't mind. Uh, Zephora took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at his feet and said, so Moses is there. Surely a bloody husband thou art to him. So he let him go. Notice this. Uh, this is one of the things that I've been learning as I've been studying pronouns. We got to find out what the pronouns are. He, Moses, let him, his son, go. Where was Moses? He was holding the boy down. Why, Zephora has to do the surgery. So it's a two-man team. Again, even if, even if Gershom was a good boy, and there's nothing saying he wasn't, it would still be hard to stand still for a surgery like this with no anesthesia, no anything. Again, I'm not trying to be colorful, but I'm trying to say, well, this is a big passage here. And here's mom, because of her husband's disobedience, she has to carry this out on her teenage son does the surgery, throws it down, bloody husband. <laughs> if you would just get right, this is consequences of what you have done. She's not happy. And by the way, neither would you. I'm not asking for raise of hands, but I'm sure that none of you say, you know what? I would like to be in that place. Probably not. I mean, this is not a comfortable subject for anyone involved. But what are we learning here? Moses had a disobedient thing in his life. In order for God to use him, he had to be completely obedient. That means he had to go back and take care of something, even if it was uncomfortable, even if it was a big deal, and it was a big deal. I mean, because if you notice the location, they're in an inn. I'm sure the Super 8 would be very glad for you to go participate in a surgery like this on your travels. Probably not. Now, again, I'm using, I'm trying to spark your imagination because this is a passage that's glossed over. And because people don't know what to do with it, they don't spend time with it. God's placing, whenever it says God's going to kill someone, it's probably something we need to kind of grasp. What's the principle? That even though he is being obedient to the Lord, there's something in his past that he was disobedient on. And it needed to be taken care of before he could be completely used of God where God can control him as long as there's disobedience in our life that we know of you cannot be dead to self you cannot be filled with God's spirit you cannot be the instrument that God wants you to be and we should want to do that and remember he's going to stand before Pharaoh and threaten his child you better have the presence of God behind you and the power of God behind you because you do not want to do that without in your own strength. It will not be good. So this is the principle here. And to reiterate this. Verse 26. So he let him go. Then she said a bloody husband thou art. Because of the circumcision. Again she is not happy. And you can't blame her. If Moses would have taken care of this. 16 years ago. They wouldn't have this consequence. Right now. As now they're trying to be obedient to the Lord. But what is the principle? Light obeyed produces more light. As you start obeying God, God will give you more things and open things up, open your understanding up. But eventually you'll come into a wall where you'll have to go back and take care of anything that needs to be taken care of in the past. Maybe it's an idea of testing. Will you submit to this? Will you try this? And it may be a big deal. God will allow those big deals to see if you would obey God in the big things. 
He starts off with the little steps. He didn't try to correct God or Moses with the circumcision back of the burning bush. He waited till God, he was obedient, obedient, obedient. Now that he's been in the habit of being obedient, let's go back. This is something that needs to be taken care of. This will happen inside of every Christian's life who's made a decision to follow the Lord. You obey God, you obey God, you obey God. Then you'll run into something where God will say, let's take care of this. Or let's see if you've got this conquered. Let's see if you'll obey this now. You wouldn't be obedient to this later. You wouldn't be submitted. You wouldn't be... And again, it may be a different thing. It may not be circumcision. God may just test your obedience to see if you will be obedient this time in order to move forward. You could just list the subject, and many of us have been through such things. It's part of the Christian life because God wants us usable, and he will test us to see if we're truly submitted by giving us something that will be hard. Now remember, submission comes not when you're in agreement Submission comes when you disagree with authority. By the way, you could disagree with God, but see if he'll be submitted. God will put something here just to see if you will obey, even if it does, is something you don't necessarily agree with. But when you conquer that, when you go through that, and show that there's nothing you will not do in obedience to God, you could be dead to self, and God can use you in an amazing way. What a principle. What a thing here. This is an important passage. Which brings us to the last thing. Let's get to the good news now. Notice the last thing here. The leaders rejoiced initially. The leaders rejoiced initially. We start off with the idea here. The last minute instructions. Then we see the lesson learned at the end. Then we see the leaders rejoiced initially. Notice if you don't mind. As we pick it up in verse 27. And the Lord said to Aaron, so God is using and speaking to Aaron at the same time as he's speaking to Moses, go into the wilderness and meet Moses. And he went. Now, Moses probably did not send postcards to Aaron. So Aaron has to be led of the Lord. Okay, go talk. I haven't heard about Moses in 40 years. Go meet Moses. Okay. And God had to lead where he was at. And when he went, he met him in the Mount of God. So this is back in Midian. Now, this is out of order chronologically, but God is gathering together things. He didn't say that Aaron was with him in the inn, even though uh, he probably was. He probably met Moses, uh, Moses and his family back in Midian and helped them move and helped them go. This incident's happening. Aaron probably wisely said, this family affair, I'm just going to stand back and let you guys take care of that. But it's going back in the past. Moses and Aaron had this reunion. They met each other. Uh, verse 28. And Moses told Aaron all the words that the Lord had sent him. And all the signs which he commanded him. Now we go fast forward and they go back to Egypt. Verse 29. And Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. So they have this big meeting. And Aaron spake all the words. Now this first initial meeting God or Moses allows Aaron to do the talking. Which is natural because Aaron's been with the Hebrew people. And Moses has been gone for 40 years. So let Aaron do the introductions. Let Aaron kind of explain what God has been doing with Moses. And how Moses is going to be here. Notice this. And Aaron spake to all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses. And did all the signs of the sight of the people. What signs? Well remember that God had told Moses that he was to take the staff. And to throw it down in front of the Hebrew leaders. And it turned into a snake. Could you imagine that? Moses says, alright y'all watch this. 
throws it down and turns into a snake and all of a sudden everybody's on rafters and chairs and what just happened here? And then Moses picks it up and it turns back and they go, okay. And then Moses takes his hand and puts it inside of his bosom, pulls it back out and it's leprous and says, hey guys, someone want to touch? And they're all backing away and he puts it back in and goes back out and they go, wow. Then he goes to the Nile River, takes some water, pours it out and becomes blood and they're going, Okay, you convinced us. This is God. You're not some crazy guy who's been hermiting for the last 40 years and coming back and saying the world is ending. You're not carrying your little cardboard sign. Okay, we believe that God sent you. And now because of this, verse 31, and the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he, the Lord, had looked upon their affliction, then they bowed their heads and worshiped. So we could see this initial meeting. Now, why did this work? Why, why was this initial meeting so favorable? Because Moses had been obedient to God. And God's encouraging him for his obedience. That even though it was a hard thing for him to go back and correct. Now because of that, he has influence. Because of that, he has the power of God. Because of that, God is going to use him. And the people are recognizing that God is with him. What an amazing story. And this is just, we haven't even got to Pharaoh yet. But what we could see is that God is always at work and that God is the same. He gives us things to obey and light obeyed produces more light. And as you obey more, God gives you more understanding. As you obey more, you get more understanding. As you obey more, more things are opened up to you. Praise the Lord for that. But there will be times in your life where a brick wall will hit, where something will stop you. And God will go back and see if there's something that you can correct. See if there's something you're willing to obey. See if there's a line that you'll draw in the sand. And as you pass that, and by the way, it's never a small test. It's always something that will test our faith. It will always be something that will stretch us. It's always something that will test to see if we're willing. Now, because we're all individuals, we all have different things to obey. For example, there are some of us that have no problems passing on track. You don't have no problems. You'll chase down people. Hey, take this track. That may not be your challenge. But it may be somebody's. It may be someone's big thing that they have to get enough bravery to get to a track. And they have to say, come on, leg, move. And go up there and take this track. And the guy's like, what? It may be a big deal that that's the thing that you have to overcome. And to someone else, that's no big deal at all. But to you, it's the biggest mountain you've ever climbed. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's the idea that some people have no problems tithing. I mean, I have no problems tithing. I mean, I'm giving it to the Lord. But it may be someone that's such a big idea of faith. To be able to give the 10% to honor the Lord. And then to give missions on top of it. How is it going to work out? It's the biggest thing in the world. God knows who you are. He knows what the big thing it is. That you have to say. Will I obey? To other people it may not be a big deal at all. But God knows what it is for you. And your test. For you to see if there's a line that you will cross. Or not cross. Will you make that step? In order to be used of God. Like we've been talking about in the last several sermons. You will come to this time. Where your obedience will be tested. 
in something that is your trouble spot. In order to be used of God, you have to obey. You have to trust him. You have to say, God, not my will, but thine. And take that step of faith and then be used of God in ways you couldn't even imagine. Because that's how God works. Light obeyed produces more light. Light disobeyed produces more darkness. Let's walk in the light. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus. And I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three oh eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three oh eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.